Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with Mark Blackwell from Justice Ministries about how abortion and sex trafficking go hand in hand and how we can help women in those situations. Stay tuned. Send me, Lord. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. As we promised a couple of weeks ago, we're going to do this episode and really focus on the issue of sex trafficking and abortion and how those issues collide. And we have a special guest here with us, Mark Blackwell with Justice Ministries. He's going to introduce himself in just a minute. But Vicki, this was uh, something we just kind of, as we were talking about the domestic violence, when we did that episode a couple of weeks ago. This is another one of those issues that we really felt like people need to be informed about how these issues, how domestic abuse, domestic violence, and abortion kind of collide, and then how sex trafficking collides with the issue of abortion. Right, because we've seen it out there where we have had strong suspicions that there has been sex trafficked women being brought and we never really know quite what to do. And we have done things like call the national hotline, but without a whole lot of success. So we thought it was time to call in an expert and really find out what we can do, what to look for, and how we should respond as sidewalk counselors. Yeah. So guys, those who are out in front of abortion centers and you're trying to reach out and bring help and hope to the women going in, uh, you'll see some of these situations, maybe some of the yeah. stuff that, that Mark says to look out for, you'll you'll recognize, oh, I've seen that in the past and I just didn't know. And so this is just to help equip you guys and inform you guys and so, Mark, just just go ahead and introduce yourself, man. What's your title? What's what's the ministry all about? And then we'll get into some of the some of the ins and outs. Sure thing. Uh, well, first off, just thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here, and it's great to have discussion with you all. And uh, I feel this is a a very similar fight. As a matter of fact, I, I often say that you know us being a counter sex trafficking uh, agency that it's really just an extension of the pro life movement. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's what we're about, and uh, you know we're oftentimes you know fighting for these individuals that are at high risk of death themselves uh, with what they're trapped in. And uh, so I just appreciate all, all that you do so much. I, we've partnered with you uh, personally and, and uh, on, on many efforts. And uh, and just, again, happy to be here, and, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I'm Mark Blackwell. I'm the president and founder of Justice Ministries, uh, and uh, we've been around for a little over 10 years. Um, for me, basically, the issue of sex trafficking came on my radar my last semester in college, uh, I, I was at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, many of you know, called the Passion Conference. Okay, and, yeah. And that's where I learned about the issue of sex trafficking worldwide and what mm-hmm. was going on. And, um, and God just broke my heart for the issue. And I felt God was saying to serve this population of people. Uh, I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know that would mean starting an agency or anything like that. Um, but I just felt this call to serve this population. Yeah. And, and after doing kind of my homework and research of what was going on overseas, but also stateside, and I found that, wow, there's, you know, young women and, and even, you know, teenage girls being raped and sold for profit mm. on the streets of Charlotte, you know, a, a, as, right, a, yeah. as a man, as a Christian, even as a Charlottean, you know, I couldn't sit on that information. And, and I felt this call to start my own backyard. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so God just kind of prompted us in that. Uh, we were the first counter-trafficking agency in the Charlotte region uh, and one of the only few in the state uh, at, at the time. Um, you know, 10 years ago, the term human trafficking was starting to get some momentum. People right. were, were labeling what was going on in this modern day slavery and starting to get a sense of what was happening. But it was still very, very new, you yeah. know. Uh, so there was a lot of kind of 
pioneering effort uh, to, to be right, done yeah. here. Um, but again, uh, after seeing the need, God just called us to, to serve this group. And, um, you know, our model is basically based off the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. secret sauce to what we do. We're, mm-hmm. we're just meeting people in their time of need and their time of vulnerability. And as the you know, as the church, you know, trying yeah. trying to help meet those needs, um, which are, are very basic. You know, that's it's safe shelter, yeah. <laughs> it's transportation, getting them, getting them out of the ditch and getting them yeah. to an end. Absolutely, and yeah. and obviously there's complexities. You know, with this particular subject of sex trafficking, but at the end of the day, these are just people that need help, yeah. like all yeah. of us. Um, so we try to provide whatever resources we can, and essentially help them on their journey um, to to independence. Yeah. Um, and and that's. That's really the the name of the game. Yeah. So let me ask. So just, I'm sure, guys, you you who are listening, you've heard the term sex trafficking, and and maybe even lately, it seems like there's been an uptick in this in people's attention toward sex trafficking, and and there's maybe different terms or and things that are associated with that. But just define our term real quick. What yeah. sex trafficking? What, what does that mean? You talked about modern day slavery. No, that's great. Just cue people into what exactly we're talking about so so on a bigger scale there's there's human trafficking i mean that that's how you would define this crime yeah um and that involves labor trafficking that involves sex trafficking that can involve things like organ harvesting yeah uh child soldiers um you know all, all, and any, really any with with the labor side all kinds of forced labor from right. agrarian to warehousing to live-in maids and you know housekeepers and that kind of thing right and sometimes those intersect into sex trafficking as well. Just because yeah. someone's being labor trafficked, they may be exploited sexually as well. Yeah. So there's, it's not a super clean you know, thing to say, oh, that's definitely this case or definitely that case. But yeah. uh, where we target most of our effort is in the topic of sex trafficking. Yeah. And, and again, based here in the U.S., with that said, we've served, we serve predominantly adult females, yeah. but we, we have served minors and girls, also boys, some men, and those that identify with the LGBTQ community, just all the above. And, right. and we've also taken on some labor trafficking cases as well when they've come across our desk. Yeah. Uh, but our main focus is sexual exploitation uh, and sex trafficking is where we kind of spend most of our time. Uh, yeah. the, the way you define sex trafficking in the U.S. by law, it's where there's a basically a commercial sex act done by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the individual is under 18 years old. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so with that said, you hear about a 16-year-old prostitute. Legally not possible. Right, yeah. <laughs> a, mm-hmm. a child doesn't have the right to consent into this mm-hmm. lifestyle. Right. So if they're under 18, it's automatic trafficking. Yeah. And if they're over 18, if they're an adult, then you, you have to prove force, fraud, or coercion happened that pushed them into this commercial sex industry, which can be what we see as traditional prostitution it can be exotic dancing it can be camming it can be pornography it can mm-hmm. be even in like the sugar daddy sugar baby context i right, mean yeah. uh, there is a range most of what we're dealing with is what we would think of as forced prostitution yeah yeah okay and i've heard and tell me if i'm wrong about this but we're right now we're in charlotte north carolina now people are listening from all over the united states and and people listen from all over the world to this podcast sure but just talking about charlotte mm-hmm. just the context here what are the statistics? I've heard it's Charlotte's like number four in the nation for sex trafficking. Is that correct or is that incorrect? The, the numbers are, are interesting. Where do we get our numbers and stats? Well, we get it from data. And, uh, and data is a little bit all over the place uh, with this topic of sex trafficking in the U.S. So I, I lean towards more conservative. But I'll put it this way. North Carolina 
by the stats through the National Resource Center is a top 10 state. Yeah. And wow. Charlotte is the number one location in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so you could argue then that Charlotte is a top 10 city yeah. in, in, in the U.S. That, that you could make that, that argument. Um, is there something about Charlotte in particular that would cause it to be? Or can you identify yeah, what, ab- what makes something a top city? Absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously the, the East Coast in general is more densely populated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have between Miami and New York, Charlotte's kind of a midway point. Yeah. We're also a midway point between Atlanta and D.C. Yeah. Um, we have a major international airport, and we're not far from I-40. We're right here at I-85. We're right here at I-77. And you can get anywhere in the country from Charlotte pretty sure. quickly. Yeah. We host a lot of major events within the past decade we've hosted both the rnc and the dnc we have all the major sports teams we have nascar we we host all kind of large events and anytime there's large populations of people being brought to a community traffickers see that as potential business yeah Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not that there's something wrong with charlotte in general Mm -hmm. that like oh charlotte is just has this high risk it's Mm -hmm. it's that like any large metropolitan area we're hosting large events and we're easy to travel to and exit from And, and when you have that that's just that sets up the ingredients to, to be a, a high-risk location for sex trafficking. Okay. You know, Charlotte is also one of the abortion capitals Correct. of the Southeast, particularly where we minister at Latrobe. Sure. Is, is, that, is there a link there between so many people coming really from all over the Southeast for abortions here in Charlotte and the incidence of sex trafficking? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think those, those two issues go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, sex is something that its main function is to produce children. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I feel like in our culture, it's sad that I think we almost need to define that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, people have sexual relations to procreate. Like, like right. that yeah, is yeah. the deal. Right. But right. it's become so perverted and twisted and brought into other categories. And the idea of having one partner for your life is just mm-hmm. this foreign concept. Like, we're, yeah. we're so far away from, like, the biblical direction on, on how to raise a family and how to, how to yeah. do this. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, if someone is in sex trafficking and they're being sexually exploited multiple times a day, mm-hmm. even if they're on pills or using any kind of protection, still the chance of pregnancy is, is high. Mm-hmm. And um, if they're seen as a product that mm-hmm. needs to produce, um, the trafficker doesn't want to take nine months off. So he, right. he's going to most likely have her terminate right. uh, that child. Uh, there's another version of this that we've seen that's even in kind of the if you can have a further underbelly to, to sex trafficking, where where that's not happening, sometimes the child is brought to term and used as either leverage for the victim mm-hmm. or that child then sold into some type of human trafficking mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, it, it's a terrible, terrible situation. Um, yeah. But certainly, yeah, the, the two do go hand in hand. Yeah, so in a sense, abortion is uh, helping the sex trafficker to cover over, oh, yeah. to cover his, his crimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that is correct. Yeah, I mean, we're dealing with a society, like you said, sex is just this recreational thing. And obviously, we know that God created sex as an enjoyable thing. Sure. Right? Absolutely, yeah. But then we take that, as you said, and pervert that and make that that it's only about enjoyment, not about procreation. And you've got to, I mean, it, it's crazy. We're talking about an industry. Yes. I mean, from, from our perspective, it's crazy. We're talking about an industry, the abortion industry. Mm that makes, you know, millions, billions of dollars every year off of this thing called abortion. But, I mean, you're, you're dealing with an industry, the sex trafficking industry. Multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, that's one of Absolutely. the questions I want to get at. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. The, the level of money that is involved with this, I mean, even 10 years ago when we started, I remember um, one of the, the phrases people would use would say, if Nike, Google, Starbucks, and Walmart can bind, 
their profits, sec, global sex trafficking is still bringing in more money yeah. than those companies combined. And so, yeah. so you're dealing with a, a mega crime industry. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, when you have big money, it greases a lot of wheels, even all the way through up government and, and, yeah. and the systems that should be stopping that and keeping that from happening. Well, if you have high places of power and, and limited morals and there's mm-hmm. money floating around, that is a bad combination. Yeah, it yeah. is a bad combination. You unleash just open the floodgates for all kinds of evil. And Absolutely. I know on social media and other realms, there's a lot of this talk about child trafficking and mm-hmm. just, it seems like it's on an uptick. Is, is that, is that the case that there is an uptick in sex trafficking or just more people are talking about it? I don't know. A couple of things. Um, the, the awareness has increased. Okay. Child trafficking's been going on since well before we started and, and well beyond that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been going on for a very, very long time. Um, it is gaining traction, and uh, child trafficking specifically is, is getting more attention. There's some restructuring going on at the federal law enforcement levels that I think is is having a ripple effect that, that is being beneficial okay. to free up more uh, manpower to, to go after this subject. Yeah. You know, in general, law enforcement agencies are, are taxed thin and spread thin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some reprioritizing that's been going on that I think is going alongside with, with some of the increase that we're seeing. Um, and, you know, uh, even with the Trump administration, just recently they uh, passed $35 million to go into actual victim resources. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of money raised in the name of human trafficking, but it would shock you how little of that actually ends up being direct services or bed space yeah. for survivors. Yeah, I bet. Um, so the money that just came through, I mean, we, we didn't see any of it. There was only one agency in North Carolina and one in South Carolina that received you know, that funding, which is which is great. I mean, that's excellent. Sure. Um, and that will go fast, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I was still just encouraged to see that momentum that, hey, even at the federal level, some, some money is being loosened up to, to right. specifically target getting resources for, for individuals that have been caught up in human trafficking because yeah. it, it should be a top priority. I mean, the fact that it's going on, we were talking before the podcast, you know, I mean, slavery was abolished a long time ago right. <laughs> in our country. Right. This is a form of modern day slavery yeah, absolutely. and we should be coming at it really hard and really swift. Right. But for too long, we've, we've basically just been kind of dancing around the issue. And sometimes I feel that we're more concerned about the risk of acting versus the risk of not acting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it really, that's been something that's bugged me for a long time, but um, it's, it's a true pandemic. I mean, we have a serious problem uh, going on right now. Yeah. And so we know it's there, we know it's happening and we know that it's certainly these women are being brought to the abortion center. We know that. And in fact, we have seen what we have sure. suspected sometimes, but maybe could you speak a little bit about what to look for? Because mm. I know you probably would notice things that we might not. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can tell, you know, at least with you guys, you're, you're pretty sharp. So I, yeah, you'd probably pick up on most of it. But um, and if you want to check it out, the National Resource Center, also called Polaris Project, on their website, they do have um, a list of recognizing the signs. If you okay. Will. Probably okay. some 50, 50 things to look for. Yeah, we'll put um, a link for that actually in the description of this podcast sure. so those who are listening can, can go to that website. But some of the big ones um, would be, you know, and, and, and again, it, it, you know, most women that are being brought to an, an abortion clinic, I mean, they, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of emotion going on. So that could be confused to look like something that, it, that it's not necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I, I would then zoom out a little bit and say, okay, anytime 
there's maybe a male bringing a female in that they don't look like they'd be in a typical relationship. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that should be somewhat of a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, like a much older man with a much younger exactly. person might be one example of exactly. that. Exactly. Okay. Even kind of in your own, you know, assessment going, well, that, yeah. that looks a little That's off. Odd. Right. Um, and yeah. then certainly, um, as we discussed, you know, if if there was multiple women th- yeah. th- that uh, one guy or one individual uh, was bringing in, I mean, it could be a woman too. I mean, yeah. there are female traffickers. Uh, yeah. it, it could be a woman bringing three other women in and that, that just, that's just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, that'd be a crazy scene. Um, the individual, the victim um, oftentimes doesn't really have control over their own documentation, over their own money. Sometimes they're a little fuzzy on where they're at and, you know, where they're going. Um, I, I know sometimes you have opportunity to kind of engage in a conversation level. Oftentimes you don't. But if yeah. there is that opportunity, uh, you can pick up on that really quickly. Just the victim oftentimes won't have a lot of um, context that you'd have with a, a regular person you're meeting on the street. Let of, me ask you, because it occurred to me as you were speaking, because in, in the incident I was telling you earlier on that, that we did see before we started the podcast, where we did see a man bring four victims. Mm. Well, what we thought were four victims. Sure. Um, they It was the middle of summer, and they were all wearing long sleeves. And mm. we found that odd, and we wondered, we were wondering, were they being, um, were they drugged? Were they using drugs? Is that a form of control yep. in, in sex trafficking? And so would even something like that long sleeve leaves in the middle of a hot North Carolina summer. Yeah, that's, that's a good observation. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, drug use is definitely common mm-hmm. uh, within sex trafficking. It's not every case. I, I've been actually shocked by how many cases that there wasn't drug use involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, uh, depending on this type of trafficker, uh, it can be utilized or not. And then sometimes it's something they use kind of towards the end, if you will, to, to keep someone compliant. But um, but yeah, no, that the long sleeves could have been used to cover that. There also could have been significant tattoos or branding that had been easily identifiable. Ah, uh, and then that okay. could be used to cover that um, as well. Um, but yeah, I, the big things to look out for with potential victim is kind of their demeanor, how they're carrying themselves. Again, walking into an abortion clinic, it's tough because they're probably already feeling right, all yeah. kind of emotion. But that on the street, that's what we would look for is, is the way they're carrying themselves, that they won't make eye contact, if they won't speak on their own behalf and someone speaks for them, uh, things of that nature. And then not having a lot of context on, you know, where they're from or what they do or how they get here, how long they stay in, you know, yeah, things that yeah. the rest of us could answer easily. Sure. Right. If you're being controlled by another person, you may not have quick answers or you're giving scripted answers. Right, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we're just watching them and we're not going to have an interaction, but are there things that we could be watching coming from the trafficker mm. um, that his interaction, I'm assuming it's a him. I know sure. sometimes it might be a woman, but I'll say him just to make it easy. So his interactions with the women, are there things that are kind of tip-offs? Um, yeah, I mean, just that, that presence of control, uh, I mean, okay. is, is the big one. I mean, traffickers will confuse you. They, they will. I mean, they're, they're, they're manipulators. So, I mean, in one sense, they may try to be loving on them and, you know, all caring and another minute really, really harsh. Yeah. It, it's all over the place. But in general, you're looking for an overall theme of this person seems to be controlling this other person and, and there seems to be a real um, uh, in submissive situation or a fear of that, that person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I don't ask this question to kind of get into like a uh, cultural profiling or, or anything like that, but is it the case that many of the women that are being trafficked are from out of the country? You know, they, so they might not exactly speak English. They might have an accent. Is that n- another thing that can kind of be a, a common denominator there that we could pick up on? Let's say we see some of those signs that you're talking about. Yeah. Included with the fact that this person doesn't even speak the language. Absolutely. No, I, if someone didn't speak English, that you know, and they're 
again, still it appears that they're being controlled. This isn't a, a, a person that's caring for them and translating and being kind. They're being harsh. That would be a big red flag. Uh, for our experience, it's actually really surprised me. Uh, the high majority uh, of our clients have actually been U.S. citizens. It has okay. blown my mind. When, when we got into this, I assumed it'd probably be 50-50, you know, yeah. 50% U.S. citizen, 50% foreign national. The high majority has actually been U.S. citizens. Wow. Um, and, and a lot of the trafficking has been um, w- there's different kinds of pimp. There's kind of the, the Romeo pimp, which is a small-time operator basically acting like he's in a relationship. It looks similar to domestic violence but yeah. commercialized. And uh, there's the gorilla pimp, which is heavily violent and, and things like that. And then there's kind of the CEO pimp, which may be the one that you know is kind of presenting a fake business, and that's how he goes after people, and he has them convinced they're on track for some kind of career, you know. Um, and so there's and there's a variety of more styles of it. But what we see very often is kind of what we call the Romeo pimp. And, and that's yeah. where at least initially the young lady felt like she was in a relationship with this person. Yeah. And, yeah, she's having to go through some some crazy things. But she's in, in her mind justified that it's it's going to the end result is going to be they're eventually going to be together. And yeah. this is just part of them getting the money they need to. To, to move on with life and things like that. I've heard that story time and time again, yeah. uh, where it was more comparable to what the young lady saw as like a relationship until one day she just kind of saw that enough is enough or uh, the abuse got so bad she had true concern for her life that I may not survive the week. Um, and then another big indicator why people call the hotline is they got pregnant and they, okay. they maybe will endure this for themselves because after all the trauma and abuse, they don't they don't always, they get kind of paralyzed. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, but then once, once they find out they're pregnant, that innate maternal instinct is enough to say, I, I can't have this for my child. I'm, I got to get out of here. And mm-hmm. so we, we've gotten many a calls when it's not just, hey, come get me. It's, hey, come get me. Also, I'm pregnant <laughs> and, yes. and I need help quick. Right, you right. Know? Uh, that's very common. Oh, I have so many questions for you. I, I, I know of, and I can't give the specifics on this, but I do know of um, definitely a sex trafficking whole thing going on. Sure. Um, but the woman is terrified, terrified yep. for her life. She, in the end, decided not to pursue it. At first, mm. she was going to pursue it, then decided not to. So I know things that are just so revolting and um, and so awful, mm. and I am not allowed for fear of harming her. Mm-hmm. What do we do, and how do we report mm. what we see, especially sure. if they're an Maybe you could address that also if the victim is not willing to report oh, that's it. That's a tough one. I mean, that, that is one of our, our biggest struggles. Yeah. Um, again, you know, to be really clear, we're a victim advocate organization. We're not, we're not an investigative agency. You know, we partner with law enforcement, but we leave their job to be their job, and our job is our job. Um, we collaborate with them wherever possible. Um, but one of the biggest issues law enforcement runs into, and I, I think one that we run into as well, is when the victim wants help but isn't ready for help. Right. And that, that's a thin line, right? Yeah. Uh, you have some people that we could say you need help, but they don't think they need it. And they're very tough to assist because yeah. they think it's fine or they haven't hit rock bottom for them yet or, or whatever it is. But the person that legitimately wants help, they, re- they legitimately want out. But the fear of the unknown is somehow more terrifying than the the trauma that they're living in right now. Yeah. Um, and, and or the I, fear that they're going to be killed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the fear of that or the fear that if I try to run, mm-hmm. then my perpetrator will come after me and then he really will kill me. Right, right now he's just beating me. But if I if I try to escape and I'm unsuccessful, then, then the fear of, you know, potentially being killed um, is, is a big one. Yeah. Um, and then there's other manipulation tactics like, well, if you run away, I'll go after, you know, your loved ones, you know, yeah. things like that. that that's pretty common. 
But um, yes, for, for us, that, that is a big challenge. And really what we need is when the victim is ready for help, whether through a law enforcement referral or they call us directly or another NGO like yourselves is connected and they said, you're calling on behalf and you know, you're in communication. She's saying, I want help. I'm, I'm ready to get out. Well, we, we kind of need that invitation so we can provide services and help them help them get out. If the person's not ready, then we can't force them into it. Yeah. And, and you, you're probably running into the same thing. And I think the main thing to do there is just have that consistent outreach and just let them know help is here when you're ready. Um, okay. And then if there are opportunities for conversation, which there rarely is, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like we can go get in a coffee shop and talk about your exit plan. All this is being done in the margin. I mean, this yeah. is being done in thin spaces of like, hey, I had this moment to connect or I had this moment to send you this message or communicate this through a third party. Um, helping get word that like help is available. Um, but then if there's a lot of nerves uh, that that can be a tough thing to navigate. So I think the main thing we can do is obviously just be available, be consistent, and and pray for them that they would they would attempt uh, to exit. Yeah. On the second note, um, it, you know, I I would highly encourage people, as with law enforcement, when you see an active crime going on, or you say, hey, this looks like trafficking. I definitely think this is, and it's happening in real time, and there's actionable things that can be done, 100%, you know, call law enforcement right then and there and say, hey, I have reason to believe this is happening. Right. The, the big challenge is there is it's so rare that you you run into a live, real situation where you could report it and it could be acted on in that window because uh, police need that burden of proof. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and then the other yeah. challenge we'll run into, even if all that happens, is, again, if the victim isn't ready for help, yeah. they're going to be more scared of their perpetrator than they are the law enforcement, and they may feed law enforcement a bunch of lines and and then basically they'd have to be well you're free to go I guess yeah right. kind of throws so it, everything it out is, of whack it is yeah. highly complicated right uh, in trying to engage well in this specific situation it I guess they could say it was hearsay it was what she told me right um, mm-hmm. but it was so horrific mm. um, and she would not report it and mm. I wondered was there any way I could anonymously mm. report it and how while protecting her and I didn't know what to do so I did nothing well and and in those situations you know if there was a way to get if you had another engagement with her mm-hmm. like when we do outreach we, we hand out our local hotline number because um, what we're hoping for is even if they're not ready right now then on when they're ready or they feel that there's a safe window yeah and then, then they can call us and in that sense we, we can then serve them and get them out because many, many of them in this lifestyle have been forced to do illegal activity or there's a there's a fear of police or whatever yeah. it is so we can be an alternative because um, we're not kicking indoors or anything like that we're literally kind of a specialized taxi service for people wanting to exit this and, and we can do that as a victim advocate agency so they don't they can just they can just exit and, yeah. and many victims i've worked with it has shocked me when kind of you step back and zoom out and you're going wow you didn't leave because you didn't have the simple resources to get away Mm-hmm. So if you'd had even a few hundred dollars to to hire transport and immediate lodging, you maybe could have even done this yourself. But you didn't even have that. You didn't have you barely had clothes on your back. So that level of lack of resources can keep someone very trapped. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. So for us, getting the hotline out to the right people is critical. Okay. And then having our opportunity to respond to a situation we've been invited to. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, for other live action situations that are happening in a public setting. 100% get the police in there and it's always appropriate to take information nonetheless and still 
called and then the non-emergency number or whoever and just passing that on to law enforcement because you never we never can assume what active investigations they have going on yeah and, and that information from the community may be just enough yeah to, to okay. take things to the next level so it's it's you know, if police are saying, hey, I'm good, I mean, they're, they're going to communicate that to you if, if they feel like, hey, this really isn't helpful. But, I mean, otherwise, I, I basically try to pass on information when I have it and let them decide if it's useful yeah. or not. Yeah. So practically in front of an abortion center where we're going to see presumably the trafficker and then the victims, mm. uh, and if we strongly suspect it and we did call the police, I know in our podcast on uh, domestic violence that that can really endanger the woman because she's going to be punished. So can you talk about that at all? Is, uh, is that ever an issue that the trafficker will then beat the woman afterwards or whatever because... Yeah, so I, well, I guess what you're saying yeah. is some kind of like the rules of engagement stuff. Like yeah, What exactly. are some oh, okay. do's and don'ts? Yeah. Gotcha. If we yeah. see this, right. uh, you're saying, of course, call it law enforcement. And then, of course, if you're able to get the hotline into their hands, get that into their hands. But yeah. As far as our interactions with that woman, what are some of the things that we should do? I got you. I got right. you. Yeah, no, that's a really delicate one, and 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 to some degree, <laughs> most places I speak, I'd probably say don't you don't. I would encourage people not to engage. For y'all, you're not your average street outreach individuals mm-hmm. volunteers, so I wouldn't try to define what to do or not to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'd really leave that up to to individuals and and to how the Holy Spirit's moving them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say do's or don'ts because. Hey, there's there's no exact playbook for, for some of this yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. but I am glad to hear the cogn- that you are cognizant of some outreach can put victims at risk, um, right. and, and that's why when we do ours, we try to be very clandestine about it because um, what you don't want to do. We like matter of fact, good example. Um, we used to do street outreach. We used to like literally go out to where girls were walking, you know, the track, and and engage them on on the street and just you know hand them a card. You know, hey, if you want help, but but we saw that hmm, there's actually some risk there of the trafficker who's 200 yards away in an right. SUV than saying, what was that about? You know, what'd you tell them? You know, unnecessarily right. bothering her. And then even at times we were like, okay, well, we could discreetly hand it to her while driving by, you know. But we just got to a point where it wasn't very effective. Like, yeah. we, we almost never had anyone leave right then. And uh, we had other other effective measures that, that seemed to be a lot more productive. I won't go into what those are, but 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 yeah. th- that seemed to have, have been working better. So we kind of backed off from street outreach specifically, yeah. uh, because it it was uh, the bigger risk with less response. You yeah. Know? Um, so same same type thing. I, I would whatever that looks like, you know, for you guys or for other groups that are maybe listening, keep that in mind. The way yeah. in which you engage, assume you're being watched, and try to do not do things that could put more pressure on her. And it could be as simple as coming up with an excuse for your engagement other than providing services so that she has something to report back. Oh, they, they were just asking me if I wanted to do adoption or what, you know, whatever it is. Okay. And just only talk about that, you know. Right. Um, but it is it is a challenge because we have there has to be some level, you know, of, of engagement. Yeah. We can't just say, well, I hope they Google us one day. Right, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which, fortunately, they might. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I know you all have seen that. I mean, Search engine optimization is a positive thing in this modern context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that people, if they have that moment to do a quick look online, we want to be up high where they could they could find us. Um, but it, it, it is a balance. And, and rules of engagement, you know, in many ways, the good news is we're in America where we're free to talk to people, you know, and, and we don't have to walk around fearful of it. So mm-hmm. I would really think in context that we just have to be careful that we're not putting someone in a bad position. Right, yeah. right. Because even offering the resources mm-hmm, – mm-hmm. 
he's going to perceive as a threat to his control over that woman because he 100%. needs her to go have that abortion and not talk to people about housing or whatever. Oh, yes. So. No, and I'm sure you've experienced it. I'm sure yeah. you've had it where you were doing street outreach and the man bringing the lady in tried to intimidate you all. I mean, right. I'm, sure oh, you yeah. had, I'm sure you've oh, had yeah. dozens of those cases mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm tough. And the reality is it probably doesn't work that well because you're like, I'm, I'm not here for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you, but I'm concerned about that baby. Yeah. In, her, in her belly right now. Yeah. But let's say, best case scenario, we somehow get that woman alone. She does sure. somehow, he's gone away or whatever, mm-hmm. and we're able to talk with her. What are the resources that you offer? Sure. So we do our best to offer uh, immediate shelter. Um, okay. So, so we have a setup where we, we try to have a response time that is literally within hours of the oh, call. Oh, really? Um, okay. it's, it's not always possible because, again, we, we are recovering North and South Carolina. Okay. And we're yeah. a small grassroots team. Mm-hmm. And anyone out there listening that wants to help, we need your money mm-hmm. really bad. <laughs> like, we, we need the financial yeah. support. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, we're very much like a volunteer firefighter department that's covering a two-state territory. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm getting calls that are sometimes spreading you really thin. Yeah. Um, and you have existing clients that also need your help. Right. Um, so... With all that said, when we get a hotline call, our goal would be to be able to get to that survivor within three-hour window, you wow. know, and then yeah. and then get them set up with some immediate shelter and immediate resources mm-hmm. to really have that clean break. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like um, you know, when you're dealing with safe houses, you have to almost think like a virologist, you know, and and, and not cross-contaminating. Sure, <laughs> you have yeah. to kind of have a clean break from your active situation, get you in a safe housing situation that's separate and and on its own to assess and be that emergency time period until you can find the long-term housing that we then transition them to. Um, Because we don't just pick people up and all take them to the same house because that would be crazy. And if it's a setup or it's fake, you just exposed a secure location. So uh, it's multifaceted in how we do the immediate housing, but that's something we, we try to do at a quick response. Um, honestly, during COVID, that's been a little more complicated yeah, sure. um, because of the, the health issues there. And then even some of our housing uh, has been limited because um, they're like, oh, is this a quarantine situation or whatever? What? It's like, no, 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 it's not. You know, so right. it, it's it's complex. But in general, on a regular all systems go, we, we try to respond within hours of the call mm-hmm. and get them immediate separation from the situation mm-hmm. and, and immediate uh, safety and basic resources. Yeah. And do you kind of take over from there then also in terms of, okay, they've been in the sex trade now for mm-hmm. a while. They need work, uh, oh, a yeah. job and whatever. So oh, yeah. is, or is some, do you hand them off to another agency or how does it work? So, yeah, I'll define it this way. Needs? So um, basically you have four areas. You have outreach, which mm-hmm. is just engaging the at-risk population and what you're be a part of in this. Um, then you have emergency housing, emergent care. Um, and that can be the first three days to the first three months. I mean, we'll have mm-hmm. someone set up for sometimes three months before we transition them. Yeah. If, if there's limited availability, there's there's still only a thousand plus bed space across the country for designated for sex trafficking. Yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. So we always have to get creative and outside of the specified sex trafficking bed space. Right. Um, that's a common thing. So that's the emergent care. And then what I call program care is when you send them to a, a woman's home or a Um, A a housing program that could be up to 12 months is the idea. And there they're getting more comprehensive care and and going through some counseling and healing. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of graduate that and then transition to independent living. Um, And then that's what I call transitional care. So you Mm -hmm. have outreach, emergent care, program care, transitional care. Mm -hmm. And then we do a little bit of all of it. We have one home for program care that, that stays fairly occupied. Yeah. Right now it's about three quarters full, but we work with groups all across the country that, that do have those kind of houses. Yeah. Um, 
from West Coast to Texas, you know, to the Carolinas, all over. Yeah. And and unfortunately, so many of them do stay full. The ones that are run well, uh, they yeah. they stay full. Yeah. I mean, they, as y'all know, there's a lot of need. Yeah. Um, so there is room to expand in, in that topic, especially. So where we have focused a lot of our energy is on the emergent side. We, we found you got to get them out first. If nothing else, helping them get away and get safe and, and put them on a direction is, is better than nothing. So we right. put a lot of energy there. Uh, we use our safe house, and then we, we work with others across the country for long-term care. And then we also put a great deal of energy on transitional because what so often would happen is someone completes a program, they've been out for a year, it's been going great, but they've also been living in this kind of not real life situation because they're having all this support yeah, sure. and, and no rent and don't have a grocery bill or anything like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be better now and just go make it. And so many can fall right back into this or something similar right. and, and we don't want that to happen. So, right. so we put a lot of our effort on transitional care and that's helping with rent assistance or your car broke down and we're going to help you get it back on the road because you got to keep the car so you can keep your job and get your kids the child care and you know all those things we we do do what we can to assist with work placement or at least completing education mm-hmm. uh, through a GED or community college and then we also assist with child care expenses as well right. where, where we can what we have yeah. budgeted I mean again we're, we're a small budget but we, we, we try to make those things a priority because the, the individual who's a year and a half out and just trying to get on their feet is just as important. And we don't want them to fall right back into it and be yeah. someone who's going to call again because we didn't see it through. So, so we do our best uh, to, to do that. But um, that's another area where we, we can invite the local church into it yeah. more. I mean, we, we just see ourselves as an arm of the church and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our team are, are pastor's wives and, and things like that. Um, but but at that level of volunteerism is a, is a unique opportunity for just the everyday volunteer who says, hey, I want to help somehow. Well, great. Maybe you could be kind of a mentor for, yeah. for this individual who, who just has some, like, life-navigating questions, not mm-hmm. so much help me work out my trauma questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. which you don't, you don't need, need as much training for that. Um, so that, that's, that's where we put our energies, on the emergent and on the transitional. Um, but, but even, I mean, right now the program house we have, I mean, it's costing us about $8,000 a month to run that. Wow. Um, so if, if, if anyone wants to help us and get started, we're, we're, yeah. we actually had a donor that was supporting that that won't be able to continue with that. So we're now fundraising for that specifically and trying to okay. get a recurring 8000 a month to keep the safe house fully funded and its own thing. And, um, and keep that running smooth. Yeah. Are those yeah. um, women that are just in the Charlotte area, or are you drawing women from all over all the over. country for all over to the, that safe housing? Correct. Okay. Yeah, all over the yeah. country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's interesting in that sense. And and so many of the clients we do serve in the Charlotte area in, end up going out of state. Uh, we've had many, many that want to just, they want to get away, which makes sense, and yeah, it's absolutely. not a bad plan. Um, and once once that does happen, to answer your earlier question, we, there is kind of a passing of the baton at that point. Uh, we've okay. done our piece, mm-hmm. and once we place them with a group in Arizona, yeah. for now our job's done unless they need to call us back. Right, yeah. So. How, uh, how often do they just return to the same lifestyle? <clears throat> or what's the success rate, I guess, of the... Yeah. Of once you get them out of the situation, do most of them make it? I don't have the active numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the earlier years, um, I was able to track it a little more, and, mm-hmm. and I felt like it was 35 40% yep. would fall back into it in some context. It would context, fall back into it, okay. Um, or, or fall back into some kind of exploitive context. Yeah. But one positive is we'd have many of them call us again. Yeah. Okay. And then there was an opportunity to, to serve that individual a second time. And, and, and you know, we're, we're, the doors are open. Yeah. If you want help and it's not, obviously 
you you adapt it each time because sure. you know we don't want to enable or anything. But but yeah, certainly you made a mistake, don't we all? That's that's what it's mm-hmm. supposed to look like. We're yeah. supposed mm-hmm. to be there for them. Um, so earlier on, it was that's the numbers I was seeing. Right now, I honestly don't have clear numbers because so many of the victims in recent years we've served, we have helped them to the next phase, and then our job was done. And right. if they change phone numbers six months later, I have right. no way of engaging them. Yeah. And so I really don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, and then that's okay. You know, it's not. I mean, it's we're we're the stance of call us if you need us kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. But just because I haven't heard from somebody doesn't mean I assume they've fallen back into it. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it's I'm really hoping it's not that high as, as it seemed in the earlier years. Yeah. Um, so and the, the other benefit we're dealing with is there are more houses than there used to be. Uh, back when I started, I think there was only 600 beds nationwide wow. for, for trafficking. No, wow. no, I, I take that back. In 2010, there was only 100 beds nationwide designated for sex trafficking survivors. Wow. And around 2014, which is when I was reflecting on the, is it 40%? You know, I, I, it was, I think there was around 600 and now probably closer to 1,000 uh, or more. You know, I, you lose track because agencies yeah, come sure. up and, and go under every day. But um, we're in a much better position, you know, than we were 10 years ago yeah. as, a, as a country when it comes to resources. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are we looking at? As far as statistically, nationally, how, how many mm. of these, I mean, I know it's hard to gaze. Sure, sure. Sort of these shot-in-the-dark estimates. But mm-hmm. what are the estimates of how many women are trafficked every year yeah. and uh, and all of that? Yeah, it's, I mean, hundreds of thousands. I mean, yeah. you know, I can say that. I, I, I wouldn't try to speculate on numbers. And, and internationally, it's, it's we're talking 30 to 40 million kind right. of, you know, type thing of uh, people caught in human trafficking. Uh, in terms of stateside, even back in 2010 when I was starting, um, the State Department said that there was risk of 100 to 300,000 children being trafficked in the U.S. every year. Wow. So that was 10 years ago, and they yeah. were had a 100 to 300,000 estimate annually. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's crazy, and that's just kids. So we can assume it's actually probably higher than that, and we can assume as it relates to adults and, and, and every demographic, you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of, yeah. of people. The other thing we have going on, to your point earlier, um, though most of our clients are U.S. citizens, we do have some that are foreign national. And I've done some work down at the border doing trafficking assessments. I briefly was, was contracting with Samaritan's Purse last summer just to assist with some, some trafficking assessments down there. And, um, and man, we, 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 we have a huge risk of people that are even coming through and, and have their court date and things like that that, yeah. that, are, that are have been tagged. There's still such a potential risk of of them being exploited just due to basic vulnerabilities. Of yeah, not knowing sure. the language. I can't work right now. I'm kind of dependent on my sponsor. Yeah. You know, even those that are seeking asylum and were granted temporary asylum, like even those are at risk, much less those that have gotten in and are not documented at all. I mean, so certainly they're not calling the police or anything yeah. if, if someone finds them and decides to exploit them. So you have you have a lot of potential risk of foreign nationals being trafficked through either the cartels, just, just doing it through an organized crime sense, or even those that have made their way here, you know, whether they're, you know, having asylum or not, they're still potentially at risk for being manipulated. Yeah. And, and that, that, that is just a, a, a uh, administrative item that would be so tough uh, to, to try yeah. to analyze and get a handle on like yeah, how big is that possibly. So, I think a lot of that's even further underground. But it, it, again, I mean, I, I think, again, my main message is 
it's it's way bigger than people think. Uh, and, yeah. and I think sometimes it surprises me occasionally on social media or whatnot is like when you'll hear about a case and, and people are like, well, I can't believe this. And I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. But guys, it's way bigger than that. Yeah. You know, and, and just it's like happening every day, not no, just one situation. Kids here are going there. missing daily. And you're just dealing with massive numbers of people um, that otherwise you wouldn't really be aware of it. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I know some folks, at least that I see on social media, it's almost like this is a conspiracy theory. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's really <laughs> not happening. You know, it's people like, are saying it's happening. But the real numbers are there. You can mm-hmm. really find mm-hmm. out this is this is not just some conspiracy mm-hmm. that's happening. It's a conspiracy for sure, but it's not just a conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's happening. And oh, people yeah. are being exploited. Children are being exploited. And from what you're saying, abortion, as far as the way these issues tie together, is used as a cover-up, yep. a manipulation device. Mm-hmm. And other things that that we really need to be on the lookout for oh, as those who are ministering in front of an abortion center. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think for the listeners, I would throw something out that may help provide some context. Uh, I think very often it's easy to say um, we, we have to have a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and well, what does what does sex trafficking look like? Because it's mm-hmm. it's easy to even drive down to Sugar Creek or wherever and say, oh, that, that's just somebody prostituting. Mm-hmm. You, you know, maybe, <laughs> and, and it might be. However. There's a lot of things that could look like prostitution or look like you're working for yourself where you're actually not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the individuals we've served and a lot of the young ladies we've assisted, if you just met them on the street or at a 7-Eleven or whatever, you maybe wouldn't have thought much of it. Yeah. And even if you, to your point, if you'd asked them directly, they may say, no, I'm fine. Get out of my face and cut you out a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, we have this image of like some 12-year-old Asian, you know, girl in a cage somewhere and that's human trafficking. And, and, it, and it is. And, right. and, and that, that, is, that is very real and very... A massive concern, and, and that's that's part of it. But it also can kind of be right under your nose, yeah. and we could even see it and write it off as, man, why won't they get their act together? Right. And we don't know that there actually is a pimp that is controlling them, and unfortunately, she actually sees him as kind of a boyfriend, so it's really messy. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's having her sleep with multiple people a night, and he's keeping the money. Right. Like so, that is sex trafficking. Yeah. And so, it, it, I think sometimes the reason we we are shocked by the numbers is we, we aren't including that there's a lot of those cases that may not look like what in our mind it would look like, but it actually is playing out. Yeah. Are there maybe some questions that we could ask uh, if we do happen to get them alone mm-hmm. that would reveal to us what's going on? Maybe if they're hesitant at first to reveal it mm-hmm. really obviously? I, for me, what, what is what has been beneficial, because I mean, here's the thing. In our modern 2020 context, a stranger walking up and wanting to help is going to freak a lot of people out. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're going to say, what is your angle? Yeah. And, and, and fair enough. I mean, I've had so many of our clients tell me in, in one time or another, wow, you're the first man I've dealt with in years that didn't want anything from me. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and like even to the point where a new client sometimes will say, yeah, you know, say we get them set up with some stuff and bring them groceries and whatever. They'll say, "I'll find a way to pay you back." And I go, "Let let me clarify. Like, there's no payback here. Right? You yeah. Know, you you thank us by getting getting better and and yeah. get get the help that we're trying to offer. And, yeah. But like even the the idea that we we legitimately want to help and there's no strings attached. On the flip side, I've often thought, how bad does your situation have to be when you're willing to get into a van with strangers at 3 a.m. off the side of the road. You got to say, anything's better than what I'm dealing with. You know, I mean, it's a gutsy move on their part. But so, yeah, to your point, I think we have to go in with with the understanding that they're not going 
to assume there's no strings attached. Mm-hmm. They're also going to assume you can't handle what I'm going through. And sometimes there's even a testing period of like, I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to be difficult because mm-hmm. I'm going to see if you're for real. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. really just love me for me mm-hmm. or if, you know, you're trying to meet a quota or, you know, what, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, and th- that's that's kind of the thing. It just just saying, hey, we're just here to help. No strings attached. Test us on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's like if try give me give it a shot. If yeah, you don't want absolutely. it. And I've even I've even had to clarify that with those that we have helped in an emergency context, remove and get them placed and get them set up. I say, hey. I want to be really clear, like, especially if they're over 18. I say, you're not a prisoner here. If, if at some point you just want to go, like, you you can. And I yeah. said, the only thing I'll ask is you can't tell anybody where this location is and you can't invite people over here, right. but, um, but you are not trapped. Now, if you feel like you're about to go, please call us first and let us help you on that journey. But you are not stuck. And yeah. Everything we're offering is free. And I know that sounds crazy because nothing's free, right? But but it is, you know, and we just truly want to help you. So like really almost helping them see that there's that they're not stuck, that yeah. they have um, some power here. And, and, I, and that, that's the crazy shift. Can you imagine going from a situation for, say, the past three years, you couldn't even decide what you ate or right. when you ate right. or when you slept. Right. And then now these random church people you know are saying yeah. hey what do you what do you have a taste for yeah. <laughs> you know yes, what can exactly. we pick you up you know what size jeans you are exactly. you know it's like yeah. what are you talking about it, you know it can be yeah. a very foreign like what who whoa 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 you know yeah. what are you going to make me do you know what are you signing me up for nothing yeah. we're yeah. just here to help and um and, and again, wow, what, what, a, what a great context when they say, well, why are you doing this? Right. Well, we, that gives you the opportunity. I was boom. just going to ask, are, do, you, do you share the gospel? Yes. Is that you, a part you of get, your ministry? You get to then say, I'm so yeah. glad you asked. Right, exactly. There's this guy, Jesus. He's yeah. the son of God, the savior of the world, and right. he loves you. And he's right. the one that said, come and get you. Yeah. So yeah. If, 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 you, uh, if you don't like what we're offering, take it up with him. It, it's yeah. like, but, but Jesus loves yeah. you. And we love you. And this is a way we can show our love towards Jesus by caring for you. Yeah. And are and you seeing people come into the Lord through, th- we, through the... We do. And, and you know what else has also fascinated me? Um, how many have actually... They, they do. It may be kind of hidden under the debris, but like so many of them even have some relationship with Christ. That, sure. that, that is there. Right. Yeah. And, and then there's that opportunity to, to really just bring them, help them come back to intimacy with the Lord. Yeah. You know, it, it's not, sometimes it's a, who's Jesus? But but a lot of times it's a, yeah, no, I know he's out there. And, and it's just then our opportunity as brothers and sisters to then kind of just, just lead them back to him. And and then then, then it really makes sense. And, and then I think the other important thing for groups like us to do is to see everything we're providing. Again, it's not me. The difference between the Good Samaritan and, and us is Good Samaritan paid for it off you know, his dime. Right. Like, it's in my money. This is coming from the church and from donors. And this is coming from, this is ultimately all the Lords. I mean, we all know it's all the Lords, and we're just trying to take resources and, and put it into those that have need. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that is the funniest thing. In, in fact, when I've, when I've had secular groups try to have us in a gotcha moment, so you're just trying to proselytize, you're trying to do this, I'm going, well, actually, we're just registered as a charity. Uh, <laughs> but I say, the reality is, would that be so bad? But, but secondly, even still, almost, I mean, 99% of the time, it's, it's the survivors that bring up anything about spirituality right. or, or why we're here, even before right. we, we need to. Because yeah. it does come to mind. Why are you here? What is prompting right. this action? Well, Jesus Christ. That, mm-hmm. That's why we're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Well, Mark, we're going to wrap this thing up in just a minute, man. But I really appreciate you coming on mm-hmm. and, and sure just thing. talking about all this. But before we wrap this up, is there a story or something you mm-hmm. can share just in a situation you've been involved in or Justice Ministries has been involved in that, that would encourage folks? Sure, yeah. Man, there's there's so many. So yeah, I, I have I have one in mind. Um and she's got she's got some some children 
and, and is doing well now. Um, but she just recently reached out and she, she's been out a long time. You know, she's, yeah. she's doing fine. Um, but, uh, you know, she was just saying, Hey, is there, is there anything I can do to, to help what's going on and help support the ministry? Oh, that's uh, awesome. and she'd even offered to like do some paintings and, and things like mm-hmm. that to see if like, you know, there's something you could auction off or whatever, which I was like, Hey, if you want to do that, that's amazing. That's super kind. Yeah. But just seeing that healing that does take place, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 and the support that is able to be provided, that's, um, able to help her not be in a place of necessarily survival mode years out. Yeah. But like, because of that continued transitional care, she's at a place where, where her mindset's going to, how can I help the, the next generation? How, how can I be there Beautiful. for, for the yeah. other girls? And she's going, I'm kind of a stay at home mom. I don't have, I have a lot I can do right now, but like, can I draw, can I draw pictures? Can oh. I do a craft? Can I do anything that would be, be useful? And, um, and I, that, that's really an encouragement to yeah. me mm-hmm. to, to see that it's not this idea of, well, I'm a victim, and, and that's what I am. A vic- victim status is temporary. Yeah. Like, and, and, and for anyone listening that's been through that kind of stuff, there's nothing innately wrong about being victimized. It had nothing to do with you. I mean, yeah. even if you made some poor decisions that led to that, still not your fault. We right. all make poor decisions every single day. Like, yeah. it just it happened to you. And, and there's nothing wrong with the individuals caught up in this. There's something wrong with what happened to them. Yeah. Even still, if you have been victimized, if you are going through that situation, it is okay to receive help. We all need it. Everyone needs help from time to time. And, uh, but that does not define you. That's not where your identity is. And moving forward, if there's any responsibility, it, it, it is to say, okay, now that I've gotten the help I need, I'm, I'm healthy again mm-hmm. or healthy for the first time. Okay, great. And certainly if you're a believer, okay, now go out and serve your neighbor. Right. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. If, if I have any action item for them, kind of like I told the other girls, no need to pay back. But, hey, if you want to help, then help help the next person, yeah, and that that's true. really the whole point. Because at the end of the day, it's not about being a sex trafficking victim or this or this or this. It's all just image bearers of God. We're just people. We're brothers and sisters that are all messed up, mm-hmm. but we've got a you know a perfect Father, mm-hmm. and we've got the perfect Savior in Jesus, and we can we can now move forward with life with a light burden because He He carries us through it. Yeah. And uh, and then so that that's that's my message. The enemy and, and the world wants us to stay in some kind of label of like you're this, you're this, that you you are, you're past. It ain't about yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's about where you're at today yeah. and where the Lord's leading you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the website and uh, maybe an email address to reach out to you? Sure. Yeah. The, the websites, if you just Google us, Justice Ministries, or you go to www.justiceministries.org. Okay. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we also have a smartphone app. Okay. So if they in your app store, if you just search Justice Ministries, our logo is uh, a bison, American buffalo. Yeah. A lot of people ask us, what is that about? And, and we picked that just because it was a cool-looking mascot. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> but with, with bison, when predators would approach a herd of bison, they would kind of form a natural kind of a protective perimeter around yeah. the smaller bison or if one was sick and things like that to kind of protect them from, from the, the wolves or whatever going after them. And, and that's kind of our posture. We're, yeah. we're here more in a defensive posture, not so much offensive. The other thing that's kind of interesting is bison in America used to flourish and run all over the plains and whatnot, and, and they, they almost went extinct, you know, because yeah. uh, they were kind of, if you will, uh, oppressed so heavily. But no one looks at a bison and says, wow, what a weak animal. Right. right. So that's, yeah. again, kind of, kind of my yeah. message to our, our survivors. It's like no one looks at bison and says, oh, wow, I mean, that's a strong, strong animal. And, and what they went through 100 years ago had nothing to do with them. It was just yeah. the greed of other, other people. Yeah. But, yeah, so anyways, when you look on the, that 
look us up, you'll see that little logo. Okay. American cool. Medicine. So justiceministries.org, and they can reach out to you through that. Your your email address is likely there sure. and a phone number to reach out to. And then if you guys who are listening, if you want to donate and support their ministry, like any nonprofit, they need your support. Maybe your church has really got a burden for the issue of sex trafficking. Certainly, I'm sure you guys would love churches supporting you. I'm sure oh, you probably already have and, some and of that's that sometimes our, our, our primary support. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we're we happy to speak at churches or small groups and uh, happy to set up a Zoom meeting or call with, with anybody that wants to learn more. I mean, I, I get yeah. it. I, I welcome I welcome the questions, and we want to be as, as straightforward as we can and tell you what we can that, that doesn't jeopardize any security. But, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. counter-sex trafficking is, is a tough thing to advertise, but um, – but yeah, we certainly appreciate you guys having us and helping us. A, thank you for what you're doing and the collaboration. As we, it's just all an effort. Just, mm-hmm. just take a stance for life yeah. and serve yes. the oppressed. And, um, and again, I, I love what y'all are doing, and, and we're happy to partner with you wherever we can. Yeah, great. Well, I appreciate that, brother. Appreciate your time. God bless you. And uh, you guys who are listening, we appreciate you listening. We just uh, ask you to share this podcast, share it with friends and family, put it out on social media. Reach out to me, dparks at citiesforlife.com and her, v. Cassieorg at citiesforlife.com. If you have any, any questions and um, maybe other subjects you want us to cover, we'd certainly love to cover those subjects. But until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life Nothing's too precious since I met you